Hey, early adopters and super VIPs. If you have not done so yet, please help us out by pounding that subscribe button and rating and reviewing us on Apple iTunes. We've got so many new and awesome interviews coming up that you won't want to miss. And we want to make sure that this podcast grows and gets even more awesome guests. Welcome to Buy and Build, the podcast about buying a business and building in public. Uncover the wins and losses as we renovate our business together. Come along for the ride. Now, here are your hosts of Buy and Build, Nicholas Scalp and Daryl Lim. Yo, what's going on? It's your boy here. Daryl with Buy and Build Podcast here with co-host Nicholas Scalp. We've hit over 20 episodes and we truly appreciate all the support that we've been giving us. Truly amazing. But today we have a special guest coming to you from San Mateo, California. Today we have our first ever guest on the show and second appearance on the show. He's built four businesses. He's exited two. He's currently the CEO of MicroQuire, which recently raised $6.3 million from over 70 of the most influential entrepreneurs in tech and newly founded Bootstrappers.com, a publication that highlights all the entrepreneurs who made it on their own. It's the one, the only, Andrew, the bootstrapper boy, Gazdecki. Welcome to the show, Andrew. What what a fucking intro, man. <laughs> I, I, I would reword that as I'm Andrew Gazdecki and I uh, like startups. <laughs> but, but, but I'll take it. I'll take it. Thank you. Oh, thank you got to hype you, you up, man. You do, that. You're killing it. You're killing it with so, the hair, uh, man. The hair's going good. on. What's going on? A while. Um, you want to hear like what I've done today? So it's been four months since we talked. A lot has happened before we get going with business, like we always do. I had a bagel for breakfast. We want to ask you about like hip hop. What are you listening to right now? Have you listened to Drake's new album, Certified Lover Boy? I haven't. Okay. I I love this about you guys. Okay. Here's what I got. Here's my recommendations. At Will by g Easy. What's some other ones? Fake Lit. I think I mentioned. Let me go. Let me just pull up my, I have like, I have a playlist that like, if I shared, people would judge me. Uh, full clip, Gangstar, uh, Moment of Truth, Gangstar, G-Dub, G-Unit, I like that song. Where You Been with 2 Chain, I love that song. About Me with Khalifa, that song's sick. What else we got? Uh, Stay Scheming, Rick Ross. You guys want more, you, you need more music? I imagine you're like in a room, like studying different tech companies, writing bootstrap stories. And it's like, it looks like a studio that you're recording music, but you're actually thinking about tech the whole time, like in the zone with this music. Is that what's going on? Usual suspects, Rick, Rick Ross, still DRE. What else we got? I, I'm actually a big Eminem fan. Uh, Eminem has this really good song. It's just, it's just, he just lays it down. Let me pull it up. Shoot. What is it called? Business. That's the most fitting one so far. (laughs) (laughs) This is, I think this is best lyrical song. It's up there. It just, he just flows on it just so well. What else have I been? I want to, can I keep going on music? 
You yeah, give us a whole time if you want. <laughs> I'm down you, for let's, it. <laughs> let's hear your top five where you're like, I have to listen to these every day. Or I have to listen to them at least a couple times a week. It depends on the week. I'm looking at Spotify. I have um Hit and Licks, G Easy, Cameras, Wiz Khalifa, Until We Rich, Ice Cube, Peanut Butter Jelly, TI, Power G. I'm a big G Easy fan. We all die one day, Obi Trice. Got it like that. G-Eazy. I really like Moana by G-Eazy. Opportunity Cost is probably one of my favorite G-Eazy songs. Going Bad with Meek Mill. Blessings, Big Sean. But At Will by G-Eazy. That song's been slapping in my car and in my house. My wife's like, as soon as our son gets home, if you're playing that, like, stop. <laughs> yeah. I, I grew up listening to hip hop because it, it like motivated me. Like, I think I've told you guys this, but you know, I, I want, I wanted to be a millionaire since I was like high school. So like yeah. listening to that music, they rapped about it. And I was like, I'm, I, I'm into this. Let's, like, yeah. So I'm, I'm also, I also got to throw in some other ones. I listen to a lot of like Kygo. I like Tropical House. Kygo's got a ton of good remixes. I would just go like Tygo remixes on Spotify. That's another good one. What else we got? Who Do You Love by YG. What else? Trophies by Drake. That's a classic. Yep. Yo, you got to listen to the new album. It's I pretty good. I haven't checked it out. What's it's the, on what's repeat it? for me. What's the best song? I, I don't, I, I like songs that kind of flow, you know what I mean? Like where it's less of a, like a, like a hit and it's more of like a, like a, like a song where I tell you about it and you're like, I've never heard that song, but it's so like two songs that I like is it's probably not appropriate for like, you know, you're friends with everybody, but it's no friends in the industry. It's Kevin Durant's favorite song. He gave that a shout out nice. and then uh, 7 a.m. on bridal path. Nice. Have you heard uh, 5 a.m. in Toronto? No, I haven't. Is that that's by Drake too? Yeah, that's probably my favorite Drake song. Probably oh, have. I just Versace. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I know that's Versace, Versace, Versace. <laughs> this is a gated community. Please get the fuck off the property. <laughs> I can just see you with like a Gucci belt on, like singing that in a club. Nice. <laughs> oh, oh no I, I i'm at the age you couldn't play you couldn't pay me to get into a club like loud loud places i'm just like because i'm i'm like a dad now and like yeah you know, so but i i i'll always i'll, I'll always love hip-hop <laughs> sounds good all right now that we got the hip-hop pleasantries out of the way after this i'm gonna tweet out something like i want e40 and g easy to do my series a or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> should i wonder how that's gonna go down that'd be dope that would be dope <laughs> yeah and then they have to make like an official like micro acquire uh theme song rapping i i have a funny story are you guys familiar with um dylan francis mm-hmm. yep the DJ. So he used to have this uh, store where you could buy ridiculous stuff. Like you can pay a hundred thousand dollars and you join the army. So it was a lot of like joke stuff, but there was, this is when I was running business apps and we were, we were super profitable. I was like 25, super immature. And one night we were at the business apps office. Cause we would have happy hours and stuff like that. So everyone on the team is drinking. And I'm like, I'm going to buy this $5,000. He had this thing where he'll name a song after you for five grand. And I bought it for 5,000. And then I talked to his agent. And I was like, yeah, call biz apps. 
And he was like, I can't believe you actually bought this. And I was like, I don't know why I bought it either. And needless to say, there is no Dylan Francis song called Biz Apps. But I, but, but, but I did get to talk to him. It's kind of cool. Yeah, that's great. He, he, that's he, like- he, he just called me. He's like, I can't believe you bought that. And I was like, yeah, dude, you're the man. He's like, <laughs> anyway, anyways, let's, let's get into some business. It's going to be on your, in on his uh, bootleg EP, you know, the undiscoverable underground music. I hope so. <laughs> so tell us about microfire and what's going on. Like, obviously you've raised these rounds and like, there's been so much that's going on. You've grown the customer base. You've grown the AR. Like, was this the goal the whole time? Was this what you planned for to like grow to this point and then try and get like other people involved too? Candidly, I was, so what, what happened with microquire over time? So last time we spoke, it was literally me running the whole business. I was writing the newsletter. I was scheduling the social media posts. I was improving the profiles. I was notifying founders when their listings went live, how about on podcast, like marketing the business, doing everything. And, and I, and I just, and I just loved it. Like I just, it just, it's not work. It's like my video game. And it just, it's really rewarding when like one, one story that just kind of sums it up is this kid in India recently sold a company for quarter million dollars in India and he's in college. And he wrote me this like, like three paragraph, I posted on Twitter, this heartfelt message of it, like change, like 250,000 India for college student. We changed that kid's life. And so really the decision was, you know, we can do a lot of good for entrepreneurs. And that's really what motivates me at this point in my life is I want to help entrepreneurs succeed. I want to build the most founder friendly marketplace entrepreneurs and startups to get acquired. And what raising capital has allowed me to do, and this is the funnest part, I've hired back my whole executive team from business apps. So my VP of product, my VP of engineering, my COO, my creative director, my head of marketing, head of content. As soon as the wire hit, everyone put a notice. And then like I, I told everybody, I was like, I'm not taking this money if you're not coming with me. So we got the band back together. And man, we were just flying, but we're having a blast because like we're all buddies. We'd all keep in touch. So we just kind of said, hey, like, you guys want to take a shot at maybe, you know, building another company together? Everyone was like, yes, let's let's go. Let's do it, please, Andrew. Because we had so much fun working. I didn't build the, the biggest company at Business Apps, but I, I, I would argue I built the funnest company. Like if you go on LinkedIn and look at like, or go on Glassdoor and like read the reviews of other employees. Like this is how you can really tell, like, like read my references from other people or like Glassdoor reviews. People had like a lot of fun. And like, so, you know, I felt this opportunity was a little bigger than I initially, you know, we kind of like, I, I knew it was going to be big. That's why I kept pushing even solo, but I didn't want to raise money like out of the gates without really proving it out. Cause that is usually the worst time to raise money. Mm-hmm. Like you want to raise money when you, you have a rocket ship built and you just need to put gas in it. So I needed, I needed someone to manage product. I needed someone to, you know, make sure like manage all the engineers I needed to help on 
I don't know if you've noticed the newsletters look way better now because my creative director is a boss. Shout out to Rocky. She is, I call her mom of the company. Brian, my COO is dad. And then my creative director is mom. And we're just having a blast. But I do want to preface with venture capital makes no sense for 99% of entrepreneurs. If your goal is to make you know, and this is a mistake. And this is like what I've been trying to really get across in terms of like, you know, some of my tweets and stuff like that is I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't optimize for the outcome that they want. And so it's so easy to raise money right now. They gravitate towards that. Getting customers is hard. And so that creates an environment where the focus is more on funding than actually building a company that generates revenue and then you raise money and the expectations are higher. So Mike requires expectations are substantially higher than, you know, when I was fully bootstrapping it, but just given my experience, you know, building multiple companies, I said, Hey, you know, I got called up by the Yankees. They were like, Hey, you want to pitch? I said, I think I could do it. Do you want to hear how the initial um, financing went down with Jeremy? Yeah, of course. We want all the deets. <laughs> all, 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 so he was so uh, Jeremy Levine. He sits on the board of Shopify, Yelp, Pinterest. He's the big, biggest gangster ever. Like he is just a straight boss, and he's the coolest guy ever. And we meet once a month. I have a call with him tomorrow, and he's just super humble, but absolutely brilliant. And he was looking for a marketplace in kind of the investment banking sector. Because investment banking is a $150 billion TAM market, I guess. And we had met six years prior and we, he showed up to my shitty office in Millbrae through a, I was introduced by Christian Friedland, who is my angel investor and almost invested in his company, but he sold it. And I took him to, he just needed a ride to the airport. So I took him to in and out I didn't know who he was. <laughs> And then he tells me these stories. I'm like, hey, so you're in venture. What's like some of your favorite like investments? And he's like, well, and he's, he's so humble. Like he's so like helpful. Like I couldn't have asked for a better, you know, partner with this. So on top of like, you know, building this company, I now have like some of the smartest people like guiding me, helping me, which I shout out to everyone who's invested in microwire. But he tells me these stories all sides. Like I went to this apartment one time and these guys were working on this kind of like pinning con concept. The company's called Pinterest. Have you heard of it? I'm like, what? Yeah, of course. He's like, yeah, I was like the first investor or something. And then he tells me another story, like there's this other team. They're like three people at the time. They're called Yelp. You've heard of them. And then he tells me a shop. I'm like, who are you? I was like, what? Because as a VC, if you get one of those, you're set. So he's, he's, he's in, in my book, he's, he's the, he's the top, he's the top dog. He's a VC's VC. You don't, you don't hear about him often, but that guy is brilliant. And I just, Really, really enjoyed working with them. But getting to how the financing went down. So we kind of went back and forth for like two months, I would say. And he just, he, you know, we just really meshed. So if you ever do decide to raise capital, you know, optimize for a relationship. Because if you get a bad partner, ooh, not fun. So I always, I have a, a hard, 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 hard line in the sand. If I can't laugh with you, 
And if I can't fucking swear around you, it's not, it's not, it's just who I am. <laughs> and so, you know, you know, me and Jeremy, when we meet, we just crack up, gives me great advice, says, Hey, Andrew, that like, don't do that dumb shit. I'm like, Hey, sorry, Jeremy, you know, you, you invested in kind of a wildcat. So you gotta, you gotta deal with it. So went back and forth. I came to terms, gave me a, basically godfathered me, gave me an offer I couldn't refuse. And just the opportunity to work with someone like that at this stage in my career just made a lot of sense. So it was kind of cool. That's awesome. Sounds amazing. Yeah. So it, it's so interesting when you hear all of these like happenstance meetings, because it, it feels like everyone is just like, yeah. And then I ran into him in a pizza hut and that's how I made my career. Like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, do you feel like, like that's been a lot of, you know, how you've met all these people, like, just sheer luck or or do you feel like there's been like explicit things you've done to try and like cultivate these relationships no i don't want to meet vcs no i'm good like what no like like my my biggest beef of vcs is like okay so if you're so good at like you know figuring out like what the next big company is and like how to build companies and you're giving all this advice to entrepreneurs doesn't it make sense to go build a billion dollar company if you have all this you've seen all these different companies being built like so i i have the most respect for you know venture capitalists who have built companies who have been in the trenches like who have been operators who know what it's like to be an entrepreneur not not someone who's watched a movie a bunch of times because you you can watch a movie a thousand times but if you if you don't live it then you don't know what it's like so no um I, I actually have a templated email. Like every every VC has reached out to me since like my rate. I have a templated email that basically just says like, hey, reach out to me in like two months. Um, and like, thanks for your support, not raising any capital. Reach out to me in two months. I'm busy. Thanks. It's worded nicer and I mean it in the nicest way, but no, I don't, I don't have any interest in in meeting a bunch of VCs and going down like the A, B, C, D, E, F series round. If I get the series E, like, please let's do another podcast. Like, like let's do like intervention or something like that. <laughs> okay. I definitely will. So, you know, you said you, you raised this money and brought on you know, like basically your friends that you've worked with before. Um, I've seen a bunch of like, you guys have cranked out new things from MicroQuire. You have like these valuation tools, all these things, you know, what, what would you say would have or wouldn't have been possible without raising this round? Really just the speed of execution and allowing me to focus on what I like to do. Because before I was doing everything, I was managing the product, customer service. I forgot to add that. I was doing all live chat. I was doing and then I could have slugged it out for like another year and, you know, eventually, you know, hire those people just through revenue in the business. But I wanted to ex- like build this out quickly with a team and everyone was ready to go. And so it just made sense. So I'd say the biggest difference is, you know, instead of just like one feature coming out per month, we have, we have two large product launches coming out next month. One's going to be, we have this like really uh, badass. It It's so, it's so fucking badass. It's called the M&A um, advisor directory. So pretty soon when you go and sell your startup, you'll be able to hire an investment banker, a broker, 
M&A advisor. They're all kind of the same thing, but they have different names. Attorneys, wealth advisors, due diligence experts, even like technical review people, everyone involved in larger and more complex acquisitions. We just onboarded, we're, we're like literally, so after this call, I have a bunch of documents I got to sign, like agreements of like how this is going to work, but it's already built. We're just onboarding people right now. And I think it's going to change the game for, for startups looking to sell larger startups. So we're looking to help startups, you know, our, our biggest acquisition, we've kind of touched, I think we're in the middle of closing our, our first eight figure acquisition right now. Largest to date is around 8 million, but we want to start moving up to like 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. And once you get to those numbers, it, it makes sense to have someone like a professional involved, both for the buyer and for the seller, because it's a life-changing amount of money. And they can add extra value to the business. Your exit price is higher. And then it's also, it works as like an insurance policy. So we bring in these brokers. MicroQuire at its core is almost like the largest database of software buyers in the world. So you can list your startup, hire a professional to handle all negotiations, improve your profile, handle all LOI requests, everything, close the deal. And then you can pay them at a much smaller fee than you would see at normal brokerage, which charges like, you know, 15%. Yeah. And then we have, and then we have a slick, this really slick valuation tool coming out because everyone's always like, how do I value my company? And that's like asking the price of a car. Like how old is the car? What kind of car? Like Mm -hmm. that question is like so hard to answer. Like I have a startup, it's doing a hundred thousand revenue. What is it worth? There's so many, like, what's your churn? What industry? You know, there's so many factors. So what we'll be able to do, let's say you have a Shopify SaaS app. We'll be able to show you, like, these are all the ones that have sold anonymously. So it's going to be anonymized data. And then you'll have an understanding of what your business is really worth. Think of like a, like a chart mogul, bare metrics. Yeah. Log in. We're just going to give you some like really pretty graphs and then. At the top, it's going to be like, your business could be worth this much poured over to MicroQuire or something like that. So, excuse me, that's going to be out next month. So long story short, you know, just we're, we're able to just manage so much more and move so much faster. But again, it comes at a cost. Venture capital <laughs> it comes at a cost. So if you want to get rich, don't raise money. If you want to disrupt the market, raise money. <laughs> How many times have you raised before this? So business apps, I raised 100K. Allcoin, I raised 800K. And then this one is 7 million. So this is substantially more than the other ones. And I guess in your experience, you're kind of like, okay, well, I've raised this amount of money and you you kind of know the pros and cons of it. And I guess at this point, you, you probably could have even raised even more than the 6.3 that you raised. Like, it was pretty obvious based on like how everything was going. Oh, you could have oh, done that, but you didn't want, want to, right? <laughs> Do you want to hear the, how the, the second fundraise went down? Yeah, so, yeah sure. <laughs> so they, they, they happened in two sequences. So I didn't, I didn't really pitch anyone. All I did was go back to everyone who had asked to invest. And I said, here's your chance. And I took maybe like 10 calls out of the 70 people. That was it. And then I probably get at least two or three acquisition offers a week. And I get definitely one or two investment offers per day from angel investors or VCs. VCs are more like, hey, we're a people business. We got to get to know you. 
you know, like, which is, which I get, you know, but really it was just, just saying, Hey, sure. And then the funny part of that was I, I told Jeremy, I was like, Hey, can I have a million in allocation? Cause I have to, there's certain controls that come into the business. I said, can I have a million in allocation? And then that filled within like two hours. And then I came back to him and I was like, can I get two? And that filled another couple hours. And then I went to three and then we went to four and then we went to 4.1 to fit in like one. And I'd like lower people. One guy wanted to put in like a half a million. I said, Hey, I can only take a hundred K. So like, you know, the idea was to involve the whole startup community to get everyone's opinions. Like what's working, like what's not working, like help me, you know, if you find startups that are looking to sell, you know, drive them into microcar for deal flow. So it was also a strategic move to get more supply, more startups onto the marketplace, but then bring some of the most experienced entrepreneurs. Cause I wanted to raise from entrepreneurs, again, people in the trenches, people that I like admire, like people that I'm like, whoa, whoa, like, holy crap, you want to invest? So that's been a lot of fun too, just getting to know all these you know amazing individuals. So what are some things that they've brought in value that you can like explicitly say on this podcast, the things that just come off the top of your mind. I would say a lot of it just comes in support in terms of how to think about things. Like when I launched bootstrappers, you know, how to write Twitter threads, how to, how to, how to build, properly build a publication, you know, feedback on the product. Cause a lot of the, some of the, a good group of the investors, I'd say probably half of the no, I'd probably say 70% of the investors are customers of MicroQuire. So now they're very incentivized to talk to say my VP product and give them really, give him really good feedback on what's working, what's not. So I'd say product feedback, support on just social media, you know, helping strengthen the brand and then just cheering me on, you know, just like simple things. It's a little thing. You'd be surprised at just like how much just like even if like you don't have investors and you got a friend running a startup, just letting him know he's killing it or she's killing it is like, that's what that can really like change someone's day. And so just the support, I think has probably been my personal favorite part from people like I, you know, look up to and admire. Yeah. yeah. Can we talk a little bit about your, your ongoing war with TechCrunch? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you you kind of had some some back and forth with some of the writers on Twitter and you launched Bootstrappers and, you know, kind of in response to some of the problems you saw. So can you kind of talk us through that whole process and what led up to it? Yeah. Well, to start, I, I don't have a problem with TechCrunch. It was just, it was just good marketing. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, 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 By the re- way, when, when you talk good marketing, every time I hear your name, I hear it said like uh, Russ, uh, Russ Hanneman I every it. time from, from the, the guerrilla marketing things you do where it's like, guys, yeah. Decky, micro acquire. Yeah, he does that <laughs> on his own. He just riffs like, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, no, no problem with TechCrunch. But what I noticed was there was just, I mean, they only like, TechCrunch truly is a PR agency for venture capital. Like they are just go on their website right now. And it's just funding round, funding round, round table with some VC, some other venture backed company was acquired. Like it's all venture backed businesses. And I called them out one time. I was like, why don't you guys ever write about 
you know, entrepreneurs doing amazing things, taking alternative path, being fully in control of their own destiny and, you know, avoiding the Silicon Valley route of, you know, you got to raise money, you got to build a billion dollar company going into grain. Like those are amazing stories and I want to hear them. And, you know, basically got a lot of support around that, like where people were like, I want to hear those stories too. And it all, it all started when I saw a tweet, someone had said, Hey, if you're a bootstrap startup and you're not getting media attention, post what you're doing. And I retweeted that. And I said, TechCrunch, why don't you ever write about fucking bootstrap companies? These companies are doing amazing things. Here's a list below. And then they blocked me at one point. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then they unblocked me because I think, I think they were just like, gosh, this this fucking kid. But it it just opened my eyes to this huge opportunity of like, people want to hear about an alternative path of building companies. And that alternative path is building a profitable bootstrap company to one to $10 million, selling it for 50 and you're fucking set. Like, and I just, I also kind of felt that the current narrative in Silicon Valley is, is, is kind of toxic. You know, there's a lot of young founders that look up to these publications and if all you're, reading is okay you got to raise money you got to get in a y combinator you got to do this and then after your series a you got to raise your series b you could be building a job that you don't want when in reality you'd be perfectly fine with a 10 million dollar exit or a two million three million dollar exit whatever your goal is so i guess you know the beef with TechCrunch, you know, calling out the biggest dog in the yard was just great marketing for bootstrappers. You know, I, I don't care what they're right about. I don't, I, I, I'm rooting for everyone to succeed, but I, I'm not going to lie. It, it, it was pretty funny. I said some funny stuff like, like TechCrunch is like that dude that was cool in high school 10 years ago. And every time you see him, he tells you the same story over and over and over and over and over. Cause it's just funding <laughs> rounds. I had another tweet that was like, TechCrunch is like McDonald's. Like it's absolutely horrible for you to read as an entrepreneur. It just makes you feel like shit because your competitors are raising money or something like that. And you know, it opened my eyes to an opportunity where, you know, no one's telling these. I mean, if you go to bootstrappers.com, you'll read amazing stories of founders bootstrapping companies to millions in revenue. These companies are all worth millions of dollars. And they're taking a completely different approach to building these companies and no one's giving them recognition and across the board. And so we also have a different style of writing at Bootstrapper. So we don't just like news, like, you know, it's, we, we try to write one article a day. We interview the founder, we get their full story. Like, how'd you start? Why'd you start it? What's your background to really like tell the story? Like we tell stories, we're not a news outlet. And so they're just more impactful articles, in my opinion. It's like, I, we built the blog that I, I wish existed. I can't take credit. My team uh, completely just is, is inc- just incredible and pulled it off in 30 days. But yeah, I mean, my only goal is to just point out like raising venture is cool, but again, for a lot of entrepreneurs, it's it's not the best path, in my opinion. And I'm just trying to bring awareness to another path that you should consider. Because you can bootstrap for five years and never raise money. Or you can bootstrap for a year. Raise. You don't have to 
be so fixated on raising capital. And then when all you read in the media is other companies raising capital, you create an environment in the startup community where raising funding is more top of mind than actually building a business and generating revenue from customers. And that's dangerous. So I thought I'd just shed light on a more realistic path of entrepreneurship. Simple as that. And the goal is just inspire, encourage, and support founders that don't get a lot of recognition. And the number one, the saddest part is the number one obstacle because we ask these questions like, what would you say the number one obstacle is for you as a bootstrap founder is they across the board, they say media coverage. It is impossible for them to get media coverage unless they're raising a funding round or they have some acquisition or something like that. So it, it feels good to be able to give these companies, again, that are doing amazing things, some recognition and say like, dude, you're killing it. And we're going to make you sound awesome and tell your story. And it's not going to be like a three paragraph rewritten press article. It's going to be a much more in-depth, higher quality piece right now. I'd, I'd go as far as saying my team at Bootstrappers, the quality of writing that we do is better than uh, most tech publications. Yeah, I actually had a chance to dig through the articles as you started like launching the website. And I really appreciate how you have stories from every single different type of business and not just tech because i saw one about like wedding planning or something yeah and then it's from everywhere which is really exciting because you know it, it inspires everybody not just those people who are in tech and you know you can do almost anything so i was kind of curious do you know what the first story was written on bootstrappers.com if you scroll to like the they're all in chronological order so the first story was float company called float i didn't write this story though so i don't know if that was exactly the first one i didn't interview the founder but that was the first one we published cool and so every day are like bootstrap companies reaching out to you or you also trying to like go out there and find some of these businesses to write about so right now we have a huge backlog so we had over 300 companies pitch so we have a type form that's like what is your business? Where are you at revenue wise? Cause we kind of have to have like some sort of criteria because we can't just write about everybody. Cause there's, we just, it's a team of four writers that I put together. So we look for businesses doing, you know, at least six figures or over a million in revenue. Then we ask, what are you most proud of about your business? And we have about 300 interviews that we need to do. Wow. Um, we, we've gotten through about 50 and it, it takes time. You know, we spend an hour on the phone with them. You know, we really get to know them. We share the article with them before it goes live in case there's any quotes they want to change. But no, we, uh, we have a lot of pitches coming to us. Cause again, like, like going back to my first comment, one of the biggest struggles that bootstrap founders feel like they face is they feel like they're the underdogs. They feel like they're treated like underdogs across the entire startup ecosystem. And that's something I want to change. Nice. I'll be entering some information about a bootstrap that I have. So <laughs> I'm going to pitch you guys. <laughs> we'll, we'll call you. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. I have a company that has got started in July, 2020 and trailing 12 months. We've done 350 K it's a brick and mortar business. And it's from an idea from trends in my first million. Nice. Yeah. No, we'd love to hear about it. Yeah.
Sounds good. Do you know any of the metrics behind like bootstrappers.com? Like how it's doing right now in terms of traffic and everything? I do. I could look at, we have like Google Analytics set up. We have like tens of thousands of newsletter subscribers, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Because it's only been out for a month. So traffic is high. I would say each article sees like 5,000 views, 10,000 views, depending on the article. That's impressive. We had, we had one Twitter thread go like straight viral and got, it got like 3,000 likes. That was really cool. Because these are founders that have never had like that much attention to their startup. So being able to bring that to them completely like free, no co- like just to help, I find that really rewarding. And it succeeded all my expectations so far. I, I think in 12 months, it'll be one of the top tech publications i think these are stories that real real entrepreneurs want to read i think TechCrunch is a place for venture capitalists to just read about their investments and then pitch their other investments but in terms of entrepreneurs that are looking to be inspired and see like what's possible from other regular people just like them that's what bootstrappers is and i think over time, I think we're going to be, see a big shift of people raising less capital, maybe like a small seed round, and they, you know, basically grow it all the way to an exit, and they have a wonderful business and they have a wonderful outcome. I think I, that's that's what I'm betting on, and those are the types of businesses that we're looking to cover. Nice. So yeah, we've kind of gone digging deep here with microchoir bootstrappers.com. And, you know, last time we kind of asked you a few tips and tricks, and I know you've run tons of stuff on microacquire about like, Hey, if you're acquiring your business, these is the documentation and resources that you should look at. So, you know, just getting into some of the tips and tricks we've seen the market now go up. What should people be looking for when they're buying a business? Should they be looking at like relatable experience in the field, MRR, or like what, what are the things that they should be looking for before they buy a business? That, what would you look for? Customers churn and quality of code. I'd read every customer review. Just that's the truth. How good is the product? Are, are customers canceling like crazy? Cause you might be buying like a sinking chip and then quality of the code. Who wrote it? Is it documented? You know, if I acquire this, who's going to maintain the code? Is it clean? What is it built off of? What is the tech stack? But it's kind of like asking a question of like, what kind of car should someone buy? You know, some people want the Bentleys. Some people want like the $2 million a year revenue businesses or 5 million a year putting off, you know, 2 million in profit and they're a private equity group and they have a full team ready to go. First time buyers, you know, I would recommend something that excites you, something that you'd be, you know, you'd have fun operating and starting small and building up from there. But I think it really, really did, depends on you as a person and being very narrow with what you're looking to acquire, whether that's a Shopify app, or maybe your experiences in e-commerce. We have a lot of e-commerce stores on microacquire now. So we've, ex- we've expanded well beyond SaaS. We have crypto companies, we have newsletters, we have communities. We kind of have everything now, except for content and affiliate sites. We don't, we don't list those. We send those to Flippa. Okay, nice. I, I have a, a kind of selfish question here. 
Do you guys do any aqua hire stuff? There was a company that was aqua hired by LinkedIn and they sold their assets on microquire like two weeks ago. So, so sometimes I typically, no, it's rare, but it, it, it has happened. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I asked because I, you know, like I've made startups before that have failed. Right. And at the tail end of that, it's like, okay, I guess I go find another job. I would love to, to have this conversation with you a year later and be like, yes, we're also doing aqua hires. So Nick, you can go fail your company with, you know, your two or three engineering buddies and, uh, you know, just list it on, on microquire. Yeah, and- no, there, there are listings right now where the founding team is looking to be acquired. And that typically yeah. happens when you raise capital and you're looking to just return something. So is, are we going to do video on this? My hair looks so bad. <laughs> <laughs> the first interview we did end up putting on YouTube, but it's up to you, man. No, <laughs> you look good, no, bro. You got no, some nice shadow going on. No, put it on. I just got this like little, <laughs> little, little pomp thing sticking on my hat. Can't get it in. We um, can blur over the hair. If you want. <laughs> <laughs> just, just Photoshop me so I look great. But uh, yeah, no, we, we, we see kind of everything. We see fifty-one percent, so majority buyouts. We see minority buyouts. We see all cash buyouts. We see, you know, acquisitions with earnouts. We see. I think I said aqua hires to start. Pretty much everything and everything. What's, what's really been interesting over the last four months is startups are growing at paces that. I have never seen before. So since the last time we've spoken, microquire has kind of transformed. So to give you some background numbers on the company. So of all the startups listed, the total revenue combined exceeds half a billion at this point. We facilitated well over um, a hundred million in closed acquisition volume. We take nearly 20 startups live per day. We have about 200 submitted per day. We see about 500 new buyers signing up per day. It has just turned into a, like I even step back and I'm like, what is this going to be in here? Like, and now I have a team, a badass team. Like my team is, my team is worth a trillion dollars. Like they're, they're the coolest most talented, funnest, smartest, we're just, uh, you know, like it, it's just, it's, it's fascinating how fast you can go from zero to hundred by Drake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys went fast. Seriously though. Like I just remember the whole contest thing, which actually inspired Nick and I to buy like a business from microquire in the first place. And then I remember talking to you on support thinking like, this is crazy. He's a CEO on here. And then just after a few months from I'm not, that, I'm not there. I see that's, I don't do that stuff anymore. See, I get to focus on uh, what I'm, what I enjoy and what I'm good at now. I enjoy leading teams. I enjoy coaching people. I enjoy figuring out how to get the most out of my team, setting the strategy and then posting on Twitter a ton. <laughs> <laughs> No, well, I mean, like, I, I'm basically the CMO, kind of. Yeah. And I, and I really enjoy doing podcasts like this with you guys. Like, you know, you guys make me laugh. You make my day. And uh, yeah, so that's that's been another, you know, huge change in the businesses. I get to focus on what I'm, I'm personally good at. 
and I'm only good at things that I enjoy doing. If I don't enjoy doing it, I, I'm not good at it. But I've been I've been burned through the fire of like bootstrapping business apps. I was the first SDR. I was the first salesperson. I cold called like our way to our first like 50k in ARR solo by myself without any sales experience. I set up our marketing strategy. So like I, I kind of I'm 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 kind of able to just like go like all right this is going to suck because you're going to have to do everything. But by doing that, what you do is you lay the foundation in and then you just bring in people smarter than you to help scale the business way faster than you can. I can't even hold a candle to anyone. So who's Steven, Steven Heiser, my VP product, who's managing our roadmap now. I can't hold a light to him. He he's a 10 Xer. my VP of engineering, like, manhandles like he's like neo in the matrix my creative like i my check out my last tweet where i'm having people over at my house like i get all these uh, cool uh, cool graphics now she's such a badass her her saying is i want micro micro car to look expansive she's a she's a badass and she says stuff like like micro car needs to look gucci and i'm like yeah and she's got this like big, like, like really slick, like, like arm tat. She's the best. And then my COO, Brian, I'm like a ready aim fire entrepreneur. And so Brian, my um, COO, he's kind of my yin to my yang. He's like, Hey, whoa, slow down, Andrew. I'm like, I already, I already sent it out. He's like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it, it he's like a conscience. He, 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 but he, he helps balance like me out. So long story short, you know, our goals in my core is, you know, the whole team, like we, we just want to help entrepreneurs succeed, you know, whether that's with, you know, bringing attention to startups, helping them get acquired, helping them find more customers. I think this business is going to evolve into something a lot bigger than you guys um, know about. We have some ideas in terms of, you know, how can we really help an entrepreneur from start to finish? And really we're helping with, we're changing the narrative around media. So now, you know, exposure to bootstrap companies, it's, yeah, you sold it for, you sold a company for $5 million. Let's celebrate that. And that should be recognized amongst the startup community. And then giving more options for founders to sell their business as well. And then there's some other things in between, like how do we get you more customers? Can we get you like perks to like other resources that you might need as you're growing your business or after you acquire a business, or if you need professional help when you're selling your business, we can provide that as well. Or if you want a free valuation driven by data within our marketplace, we can provide that. So we're building this like ecosystem that it's the whole ethos is to help entrepreneurs win and, and succeed. And yeah, when it's all said and done, I just want people to be like, Andrew helped out a lot of entrepreneurs. That guy was cool. Well, I, I think the thing that you're not, you're not giving yourself enough credit for here is it's not just that you're helping entrepreneurs, you're letting more people come in and do it because it's, it's the most risky thing you could do really, you know, like most people go get a job and it's super risky. You go start your own thing and you're taking a lot of that risk out of it. And when I describe what microacquire like accomplishes, I describe it as like, they're making it not very risky to go, or they're making it much less risky to go start a company. Cause there's, there's a way out earlier than go making a $200 million business and getting acquired by Google. Yeah, I completely agree. And 
those are that's those are my people entrepreneurs startups like i tell all my friends like early in college i was like don't get a fucking that's a trap trap dude it's a fucking trap you're gonna get a paycheck and then you're gonna get some fucking apartment you can't afford and you're gonna get in debt and then you're gonna need to have a job forever and then this is your time like start a company and all my friends are like, shut up, guys. Like, and I and I still push my friends to start coming. I'm like, dude, chase your dreams. Like, you don't want to like if you're if you're working a job every single day, like there's a life out there where you can have where every day is not work. And when you get there, like you're on vacation every day. Like, and that should be everyone's goal. And I think microcar allows people, like you said, to buy a company and you're in control of your own destiny at that point. And then also on the other side, like my favorite acquisitions, and these are the ones where it's kind of like a swap, not a swap, it's an, it's an acquisition. <laughs> but like, let's say a founder wants to build a billion dollar business, but they ended up build, building a million dollar business. And one founder or one buyer would love that business. They buy that business and they're thrilled. They're like, okay, this makes like 300,000 in profit okay, great. This is, I'm going to try and, and grow this business and make this thing really successful. And then the entrepreneur on the other side just got funding for their next thing. So they can swing bigger. Cause you know, some entrepreneurs want to build really big companies. Some want to build are happy with a, a one, $2 million business. So we're allowing, you know, entrepreneurs that, you know, what do you do with that million dollar company? Like you give it to a broker and they take 15%. And like, so just being able to help entrepreneurs on both sides of the fence is just super rewarding to me. And just, just, and then just the support from people like you guys, like means so that's, that's what motivates me the most is just people saying like, dude, like, thank you. Like, this is awesome. So appreciate you guys. We appreciate you. You know, you're always so helpful and welcoming and we've always heard nothing but good things about you from other people. So, you know, you don't take enough credit. You're so humble about it. And you're always like the first person to be like, yeah, I'd come on your show when we didn't even have a show. So <laughs> we, yeah, we yeah. appreciate that. You, you got, <laughs> hey, hey, before we end this, give me like two songs I should listen to. I, you, you gave me two Drake ones. I'll listen to those like right after this. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let's, let's end this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you... Tell me, tell me your your three favorite rap songs. I think I, t- I mentioned this last time. It's kind of cheesy. Tupac, Picture Me Rolling. Oh, I love that song. Yeah, so good, right? Let's see, what else? I can't, I'm not allowed to say the name of the song, but let's just say it's YG. <laughs> <laughs> YG stuff. I love YG. He hasn't been a- around for a bit, but YG is one of my favorite. Do you like YG? I, I love YG. Yeah, what song is just, it? Just say it. Just say it. No, I can't. I literally cannot say it. No, no, bleep out the. Oh, is it my my? Yeah, yeah. Let's not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got you. Yeah. yeah. That that's one of those songs where I'm listening to it and I'm like, I'm I'm just I'm I'm just too white for this. Um, uh, <laughs> and a song that I secretly love. That it's like very southern. Know your clap by Juvenile. If you like southern and like, yeah, it's a really good song. N O L I A clap. Know your clap. 
I'm so gonna I'm, get, I go ahead. I, I was going to say, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm mostly listening to like punk music, honestly, but I think the best like hip hop album ever was actually the Black Panther album. Like it, it's the most ridiculous recommendation to make, but like I can listen to that thing, you know, front to back over and over for like a full day and not even realize it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you guys with one last song. Listen to The Watcher 2 by Jay-Z. Yeah, so he does like a remix of like... Like, like it's it's a, it's another kind of like flow song. Check that one out. Did you crip walk before? <laughs> like crip walk? Do you know how to crip walk, Andrew? Uh, I feel like these are crip walking songs, man. <laughs> I, 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 I could do the Dougie. If you remember oh, nice. that. And then you know, I, was, I go ahead. I saw your invite to your San Mateo house, and I'm like, man, I need to just get on a plane and show up to Andrew's house and bring like a playlist of hip hop music, even though I'm not going to the <laughs> expo. Uh, I get, I get, I get a whole list, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave you guys with that one. All right, I get, I gotta run, but oh, listen to Power by Jeezy. Uh, that song I like a lot. Oh yeah, I think I've heard of it probably listen to it quite often but uh, yeah thank you very much for coming on the show really appreciate you we're gonna obviously drop your twitter your linkedin i know most of the people on the show know you anyways but thank you very much again for coming we had a blast with you like always we're probably gonna have to bring you on again for a third time whenever you blow this up 10x again or whatever it is (laughs) we'll do do a three (laughs) beat For all those super fans and early adopters listening to Buy and Build podcast, thank you again for joining us and we'll see you in the next one. You can find more episodes and a link to the community of Buy and Build podcast at buybuildpod.com. Remember to like, rate, and share with your friends on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Join us again next week as we continue our journey. We'll see you in the next one.